Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm bringing you a special episode of the Boca podcast today called Workflow Wednesday. During these special edition episodes, myself and my co-hosts will focus on helping you develop more efficient daily and weekly workflows around post-production, communication, task and project management, time management, file and image management, and yes, the list does go on. We're going to save you an incredible amount of time in your work week, and we promise not to be too nerdy. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. Well, everybody, welcome to those who are listening and watching Workflow Wednesday. It is Wednesday, uh, January 30th, actually, just before the new month. And we're here today for another series in this uh, Workflow Wednesday uh, set of episodes. And we're featuring Tracy, Tracy from Tracy Nicole Photography. And Tracy, what, how do you actually pronounce your last name? I should have asked you this before we got started. Uh, it's Barchi, but Barchi. my... On Facebook, it's Miller because I haven't legally changed my last name. Since oh, okay. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So, um, but we'll just, for the sake of simplicity, we'll go with Tracy Nicole because you're known as Tracy Nicole Photography. Is that correct? Or is that how you normally go go by? Uh, I, no, I, I'm Indian Boudoir. Okay. I know uh, that your website, I, I think I think I got confused in the uh, the process of, of getting your name for the episode. I confused it, but so I apologize okay. for the confusion. <laughs> Um, I do have your website here, and actually, for those of you listening in um, and watching, for that matter, it's Indium, uh, as Tracy was saying, i n d i u m b o u d o i r dot com, indiumboudoir dot com, and then the same thing on Instagram, indiumboudoir. And I was saying this to Tracy before we got started. We I haven't had the opportunity to meet Tracy in person before. Uh, I Haley gave me a heads up about her work, and I was like, oh my goodness, yeah, let's absolutely have her on. Beautiful, beautiful work. A huge fan. And for those of you listening in, make sure that you take some time and go take a look and give Tracy major props because it's just stunning work. And we're going to actually be talking, of course, this is Workflow Wednesday, so we're talking about workflow, more specifically efficient workflow. And today we're going to be talking about posing workflow when it comes to boudoir photography. Um, it's interesting, Tracy, I'm actually curious to get your comments on this too. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of jumping into things here. I, I want to say hey to Heather and Haley as well. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Thanks for having us. Good to see you guys. And Rich is normally on with us. Rich uh, had something else to do today. So it's just going to be the four of us. Uh, Rich, we miss you. Looking forward to having you back next week um, with all your antics. But um, I wanted to ask you about, about this, Tracy. Boudoir photography has picked up in popularity, I'd say, within the last four or five years. I think in the past, it was something that people kind of did, but they didn't really talk about, kind of hit a little bit. Is there a reason why do you think uh, that, that that has changed in the last few years? Why people are more open and talking about it? Um, I'm not sure. I think that the style of it has definitely changed, which is what brought me into it because I was the same way I, along like years ago, I thought it was really cheesy <laughs> uh, really? Okay. And, and not good. Okay. Um, when you say cheesy, what do you mean? Because the last thing that when I, when I look at your work, the last thing that I would think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like bad outfits, bad lighting, like okay. just super weird and like staged, I guess. I don't know. I feel sure. like now boudoir is more like lifestyle and like more real. If that's, I don't know. And it's just more, I don't know. It's just more contemporary, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're. I know that your work has a bit of a fashion flair to it. Um, when I'm when I'm just scanning through and looking, I mean, again, just stunning work. The lighting, the posing, the combination of it all is just really, really, really well done. Um, so again, for those of you listening in or watching, for that matter, we'll make sure to link to Tracy's website in the show notes. It's Indium i n d i u m boudoir dot com. By the way, what is Indian? What's the significance of that word, Indian? Nathan, you're stealing my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, Heather, I'll let you take it from here. I've, I've been talking at, at two. I think maybe a little bit too much caffeine. Um, <laughs> no, thanks for being with us, Tracy. It's really good to have you here. And um, yeah, I was I, I had that question in my arsenal, ready to shoot your way. I, I know, you know, indium, it's a, it's a metal, right. That's found in the earth mm -hmm. it's found in the earth's crust. Where, how did yeah. you, how did that come about as your business name? Um, I mean, I, 
I don't know. I still am like super into like quartz and like gems and stuff like that. And um, my husband at the time we were just dating when I started, he's a geologist as well. So, yeah. So I was just looking at a list because I didn't want to name it after myself because I don't like my name. I don't think it's very (laughs) unique. Um, So, yeah, I just looked up a list of gems and minerals. Indium was on there. And I was like, I like that. So, and then my brand is like, you're a gem. So all my clients are gems and it's very um, cohesive all around like brand. So that's really cool. That's unique that you give your client, they have their own kind of like community. You've assigned Mm -hmm. them like a name. That's really, really kind of like Victoria's Secret Angels or something. Yes. That's what I was inspired by because when I was like building the brand, um, it was like, just look at other brands and like what they're doing. And then I was like, that's exactly the Victoria's Secret Angels. I was like, that's like huh. super smart. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I, okay. that. I love the simplicity of that tagline. You're a gem though. Like I, I want to yeah. see that plastered all over your website. I think that's brilliant. It is. I have a neon sign in the studio that says you're a gem. That's cool. Um, I have t-shirts and I reference it a lot. Like as I'm in my captions and comments and stuff like that on Instagram. So. And then um, I saw that you have a separate Instagram account for your wedding photography, correct? And then, is that correct? No? Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, it's still an account. I don't okay. know if I know how to delete Instagram accounts. Okay, so, so the wedding photography is not an active part of your business then. You're focused exclusively on the boudoir. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I'm 100% okay. boudoir. I, okay. Okay. I shot weddings um, from 2007 until... I don't know, just like two or three years ago. So long, like nine years ish. (laughs) And then I got into boudoir and then I dropped weddings completely. Okay. I see. Yeah. What was the reason for making that switch and like going all in with boudoir? Um, well, whenever I was shooting those weddings, I didn't work for myself. It wasn't under my own name. Um, I worked for two other studios Um, and then once I quit to go out on my own, um, what I just never really booked weddings. And that's when I first like tried boudoir for the first time with like a friend. And then I've just always, I've always booked more boudoir, like under my own name, I probably only shot like, like four or five weddings. So really, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But would you say that, I mean, did you have ever have any interest in going to any other genre? Was it just like weddings to boudoir? Did you consider doing families or corporate work or anything else? Um, I, I shot some families and um, like couples. I wanted to do seniors, but that I do not like dealing with like two clients. So one really big reason I love boudoir aside from like, I love shooting it is it's just one person you're dealing with one client. (laughs) It's like makes everything so much easier and just smooth. So that totally makes sense. Okay. So when you're talking about dealing with two, it's funny because we literally just had a senior photographer on two weeks ago and then a wedding photographer on last week. Mm -hmm. Um, people who are regularly dealing with multiple clients, parents and, you know, brides and grooms and and all of this. And it really can be chaotic. I can speak from experience as a wedding photographer, Um, dealing with one person, what that one person wants. They're the ones paying you. It probably does simplify things a lot. Yeah. The only interference uh, I guess could be like, cause I only photograph women. So I don't do couples and I don't photograph men. Um, Like sometimes like their husband or boyfriend or whatever, can interfere, like not being supportive or Hmm. I don't know, just being weird. (laughs) Not being supportive in what way? What do you mean? Some guys like, uh, don't understand like why their like wife, girlfriend, fiance would want to do a boudoir shoot. Like they don't understand it. And boudoir is expensive typically. Um, and they don't want them to like spend the money on it because they don't get it. They don't support it. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. I, I love your perspective, but Heather, I'm taking away from your arsenal of questions. Please. No, go back. no, no. You're 
fine. I just wanted a brief intro. I wanted to know where the business name came from. And I kind of wanted to understand what her, her niche was, if it was only exclusively boudoir or if she was also, you know, still shooting weddings. But um, I do have a question from your website. I have had Tracy, a Starbucks white mocha. What is this salted caramel white <laughs> mocha that you speak of? <laughs> um, it is like a seasonal drink at Starbucks. So it's only I have not like, met this drink, but you're you're obsessed with it, right? <laughs> yes, I yeah, I'm a psycho. I'm like also really picky and um yeah, I used to buy them like every day and then like every morning and then um when it goes out of season, you can still order it technically, but you have to like uh. call it something else. <laughs> and <laughs> and secret, just, secret menu, huh? Yes. And it was just so expensive. I mean, it's yeah. is expensive. So yeah, I yes. actually buy all the ingredients and I make it at my house now. <laughs> there you go. I oh, like no it. Okay. So does it, yeah. does it take a lot of ingredients to put something like that together? Um, It just, I mean, kind of, it's <laughs> an ex- espresso machine, milk, and um, I have the toffee nut sweetener, which is from Starbucks. The white mocha sauce, which you can't get from Starbucks anymore um, oh. because they closed their online store oh. like a year, probably like a year ago. So I buy a different brand and then I um, add in like salted caramel, uh, some, I don't know, some sweetener. I was just going to say, you, Rich and I are all about salted caramel anything. So yeah, yeah, that definitely got my attention. Sorry, Nathan. Yeah. What were you gonna say? No, no. I was just going to say, I, Haley, I think we need to do like a drink of the week to go along with workflow Wednesday. <laughs> yes. so like every yes. guest that we have on workflow Wednesday, let's have a drink to go along with it. We need to get the recipe <laughs> for this and put it in the show notes for our listeners. I like it. I like it. I want one sitting next to me right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. Oh man. Am I, so we're having, we had a little bit of an issue before we got started with some freezing. Am I freezing again? You're good. You're good right now. Okay. All right, cool. I just want to make sure, um, and we'll just kind of keep trucking away here. Um, again, b- before we move on to the next thing, Tracy, I, I have to give you props again that you, you mentioned alluding to the, um, the, the gem reference, even in your Instagram account. And I was just noticing this, I pulled up your Instagram account and in the header there, it says making women feel like gems. I, I'm a huge, huge fan of very, very clear brand positioning and ultimately brand messaging and marketing. And a lot of times you talk to photographers and they kind of say, they all say the same thing. I like to focus on relationships or I like to make people feel special, uh, you know, when it comes to boudoir photography specifically. I love the way that you've you've figured out a different way to say that and tie that to your brand and to say it succinctly too, um, without having to spend a whole paragraph or two saying it. So uh, major props yeah. to you for the clarity in that brand. And I love the name. I think it's beautiful. Let, I'm, I'm curious to go um, in a little bit of a d- different direction here. And you mentioned something before we actually started, before we went live and started recording today, uh, that there are conversations going on in boudoir Facebook groups that um, maybe you wanted to, to bring up during, we, we're doing something, we're kind of testing something out this year called um, the industry snapshot, just kind of talking about what's going on in the industry and more specifically what our special guest for the week, what their perspective is. And um, so I'd love for you to comment on some of the conversations maybe that are going on in those Boudoir Facebook groups. Um, Yeah, so earlier, I think it happened this month in January, um, all of us woke up, like all of us Boudoir photographers woke up. We all have, just to backtrack, um, Facebook groups of our own to like add local women to, to hopefully turn them into clients. Hmm. So it's like a big marketing tool for boudoir photographers, like having our own Facebook group for potential clients. But then we obviously all have our um, Facebook groups where we are all together and talking. So we all woke up one morning, like just a week or two ago and like half, like half of our groups were deleted. Like our members. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, um, my group personally went from like, I don't know exact numbers, but um, over 8,000 people were in there in my group. And then now I have 4,000. Wow. <laughs> so, I actually did hear about this. I Someone locally was talking about it as well. Yeah. She lost a lot of follow- or members of her group too. Yeah. How is this, how is this explained? Um, I think, I don't know. I guess... I guess Facebook did a cleanup and 
I think the deleted members are actually just still under like a pending list mm. um, because a lot of us boudoir photographers have this thing where it's called like um, a grow big, which is where like you would do a giveaway mm -hmm. um, and then whoever adds like the most people would like win whatever. Sure. So we have like, that's how you get so many members is that your members are adding people so when you add someone to a private group, they have to accept it. I mean, they're in there, but they have to accept it. So I think all, so I, apparently 4,000 of my members like didn't actually click accept. So I think they're under some other pending list, but um, I'm like kind of like one of the few people I feel like um, whose Facebook group has never really like, it's never really worked for me. Like I just have it because I feel like I should have it. Um, but I don't actually like, really book from it. Um, I book from Instagram. So I don't know. What's like, the thought process fine. behind that and how does that work? I mean, I, I'm thinking about a boudoir Facebook group where you're inviting people in maybe that don't really even know who you are. What kind of content yeah. are you posting in a group like that? Because it, it, I mean, in any other context, in any other circumstance, to be invited to a Facebook group where you're going to see semi-naked people, you know, kind of thrown across the page, be kind of odd, especially if you don't know that person. So I'm curious what that conversation looks like. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You're, I mean, I'm not very good at my group, so. <laughs> but I know what I should be doing, which is obviously sharing my work, sharing reviews. Um, oh, I really should go live in there probably once a week to get them to know me. We could do like an open like FAQ. Um, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, you're just, you're supposed to like educate these people on what you do and why you do it and share like your products and stuff. And then, I mean, you ultimately want them to book. Right. Interesting. Um, okay. This is, is this something that you're familiar with Haley or Heather? Yeah, I've heard of, um, I think most of the boudoir photographers here in town also have Facebook groups. Um, and it's more of like a privacy thing, but I've also seen other photographers create these groups because of the Facebook algorithm. Like you're more yes. likely to see, um, content from a Facebook group over a Facebook page. Um, it just, you can get notified more. Uh, well, you can get notified when a page posts, but you're more likely to already have the setting when you're added to a group to yeah. get notified okay. when someone's posting in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's another reason to beat the algorithm. Yeah. Um, but Facebook, so all that's changing to where, I just don't think groups are very reliable anymore. And another big thing um, with these groups is so many boudoir photographers rely on the group to book. They all like ran their Black Friday sale, which is like a big thing in our industry, um, solely in their group. And like people were posting left and right, like last year I booked like 50, this year I booked like three. And it's, mm -hmm. it's because the algorithm's changing and, I just don't think you should re rely on Facebook mm. to book. But you, and you said you're getting much or most of your business through Instagram. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So that's another social media platform. Obviously Facebook owns it. And, and I know this is, I mean, we, we just had Ren come on last week, Ren Loren, who's um, a photographer here local in the local Chattanooga market, who does most of not all of her business through, through Instagram as well. And I'm so impressed by that. And that's a conversation in and of itself, but I'm curious how you're approaching it differently on Instagram versus Facebook and why you think you're getting that much more business through Instagram. Um, I personally think it's just because I like Instagram more. Okay. Um, That's fair. So, I, so I'm just naturally on it more. I'm more mm -hmm. connected with it. Facebook, like I don't want to be on there. I don't like to post. I don't, I, I don't know. And Instagram is more of like a visual, like, visual feed Facebook and these groups like like I said people are posting like just all these different things and um oh is it called the click uh clickbait but not clickbait it's called um like basically like interaction bait to where it's like like drop the gift that explains your feelings right now or whatever and it's right. it's just stupid like it it means nothing. So like on Instagram, I just feel a lot more comfortable. Um, I think my clients are on Instagram. I don't think my clients are on Facebook. I think people, mm. anyone who buys something on Facebook, no, no offense. <laughs> it's, Come on. It's just, 
they're looking for a deal and it's like the swap and shop groups and mm. the discounts and whatever. And they, they, people just don't book me on Facebook. People on Instagram love me. I wonder too, I wonder too, if because of the nature of your photography business, if word of mouth referrals are also really big and really helpful with a girlfriend has an experience with you and she tells her friends, you know, um, is that also a big part of where you see referrals come from? Yeah. Word of mouth. Yeah. Simply because not everybody's comfortable with that idea at first. And so in some sense, it might be helpful to have a girlfriend say on a personal level to, to a friend of hers, you know, the experience that she had, you know, with you, um, because you are a full experience, right. At the, Mm -hmm. uh, at the studio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of my clients are referrals. Um, and, and I mean, even too on Instagram, I mean, there's ways that you can privately like share stuff. So mm-hmm. like a, a client actually told me this, uh, cause like, it's not going to notify me when someone sends my post through a DM to someone else, to one of their friends. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. So I think it's just easier to grow on Instagram, to be shared on Instagram. And then, yeah, definitely referrals um, are a really big thing. Hmm. Well, I, for those of you listening in again, and for those of you watching as well, if, if uh, you go to the show notes at Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, we'll make sure to link to uh, Tracy's Instagram account there. It's Instagram.com, of course, slash idiom or Indium Boudoir, I-N-D-I-U-M Boudoir. And um, just beautiful work. You've got over 11,000 followers and, and um, the, the quality of the content is, is just it's stunning. A combination of color and black and white work. Your use of light is really great. And your posing is particularly impressive. So maybe this is kind of a good segue, Haley, for you to talk a little bit about what um, our primary topic is for this week. Yeah. So we've been focused on client experience for all of January. Um, and so one topic that we have not hit on very often on the podcast was boudoir. And so um, we actually had a guest reach out and say, hey, will you reach out to Tracy and see if she'll come on the podcast? And it like kind of fell right into place with, I was just thinking we needed someone for boudoir. And so I reached out and it just kind of happened. And um, one thing that we do have a lot of questions about on our social media channels is like posing and how to create beautiful portraits without making it feel overposed, but also making the client feel comfortable. So um, that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> that's perfect. And I think really a good intro. And by the way, again, Tracy, thank you for being willing to do this kind of last minute. You don't really know us. Um, we, we found you as a result of a referral and, and just blown away by your work, but we appreciate you making time to share with our listeners. And we'll start with something that I think will kind of help set the tone for our conversation about posing. And that has to do with helping your clients relax. I'm really curious. I mean, again, as I'm, and I've got your Instagram page pulled up right now and I'm just scrolling through and everyone looks so comfortable with the camera. And obviously we're talking about quite an intimate situation. You probably don't, I would assume anyway, maybe, maybe you can comment otherwise that you don't know most of these people personally. Um, So the fact that you have them in front of your camera, you're able to photograph them in such an intimate situation and they look that comfortable is really, really impressive. I'd love to start with how you help these clients feel comfortable in front of the camera? Um, yeah. So, so yeah, you're correct. I don't, I don't meet any of my clients before they come in. Unless, I mean, obviously, unless I already know them, but I don't do like, um, like consultations or anything. So they pretty, they just book over through email or if they want to talk on the phone, I'll talk to them. But most people yeah. just book through email. Um, But yeah, uh, I know that all of my clients come in like really nervous, like freaked out. Some of them are are worse than others where like (laughs) they cannot like take a chill pill. So (laughs) yeah, and normally I can tell like their level, like what they're like thinking, I guess. Okay. Um, Just by how they're acting. But um. They walk into the studio and um, like right away, I, I'm just like, hey, how are you? Like I, I point them right to where they can drop their bags, which is right by the door. Um, and then I take their coat or whatever. And then I ask them if they want to see the studio. They say yes. And then I give them a little tour because my studio um, is one room 
but it's there's a sliding door in the middle so you can't really see what's happening over there yeah. so I don't want them to be like what is this <laughs> so I give them a tour and then um I tell them they can have a seat which I feel like is actually really important because people feel so awkward and like yeah. not at home. Like you have to tell them like you can sit here, mm -hmm. which is the hair and makeup chair. And I introduce them to my hair and makeup artist. Um, and then I offer them like wine or water. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like most of them pick wine, but some of them have water or take water. Um, and then I just kind of let... Um, Melise is my hair and makeup artist. She's also my sister. So it's really honestly kind of helpful, I feel like, to work with family because mm. we're obviously like super, super like, comfortable and like know each other obviously right. really well. Right. Um, but I kind of let her take over, but I do stay in that same room um, with them. Uh, I'm not like super close. I'm on like the other side of the room, but I'm facing them and we just have like casual conversation like like how they're feeling like are you nervous because some of my clients do say like no I'm not nervous which like is great yeah. um but some they're like yeah a little bit and uh but yeah we just have conversation we um I think it's really important to say like we include them in the conversation so um Melissa and I my hair and makeup artist and I don't have our own like side conversation where it's like not including them because um, I've been in that situation as a client mm. and I, I like actually talked to a client who's booked um, on Monday and she's done a boudoir shoot before. And she actually complained about that, that she felt like really uncomfortable during hair and makeup because they were like having their own conversation that she didn't know what they were talking about. Mm. So I think it's important to be like, to just really be nosy, which is kind of uncomfortable for me. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't like to feel like I'm like, I don't want them to have to talk about anything they don't want to. But, but yeah, I do it anyway. Just ask them like what they do if they live close, like because some of my clients do drive like seven hours or whatever wow. to get to me. Yeah, so I I never know like their backstory really. So, but yeah, we just get to know them and. Um, that's interesting to think about too, because you know, I mean, we've talked on multiple occasions. I think at this point about the idea of those pre-shoot, whether it's a consultation or you go out for coffee or a beer. Ren was talking about taking clients out for a beer last week. That idea of creating some kind of a relationship ahead of time before the shoot. I mean, it makes sense. I used to do um, something comparable as well, but I like the idea that you've saved that for that hair and makeup time because you have opportunity to have conversation. It'd be kind of weird if they're sitting there in the quiet, they're already nervous. You're not engaging them in conversation. They don't know what to do or what to say. They don't yeah. know the people that they're with. Um, it's, it's kind of a cool idea. I think to set the, the environment up so that there is room for conversation like that. It fills the silence, helps minimize nervousness, add a glass or two of wine. And they're mm -hmm. hopefully a little bit relaxed by the time the shoot happens. Yeah. I'm also playing music. Um, mm. Like right when they walk in the door, I send a questionnaire ahead of time that asks um, like their three favorite um, musicians or whatever. So I'll play music that they like, unless they unless they pick like country. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really set the tone, I don't think, does it? <laughs> I don't like country, and I don't want to listen to it. So <laughs> if they pick country, I just play Cardi B. <laughs> That's really funny. We had so we did a podcast interview not too long ago with um, an incredibly, incredibly talented boudoir photography, our photographer named Oray. And Oray Adeshina, um, she, she talked about something very similar. She said that the two types of music that I don't play are country and like hardcore gangster rap. Everything else is, is game. But those are the two things that I don't play during my sessions. Yeah. <laughs> the right mood. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I, let's let's talk a little bit more, though, about um, the, the actual posing workflow and what that looks like. Um, and, and maybe we can just start before we talk about an actual posing workflow itself. Some of the principles that drive how you approach posing. I'm, I'm a huge fan of establishing principles, principles before we get into the nitty gritty of any kind of workflow, the ideas that drive what you do. And so I'm curious, you probably spend quite a bit of time looking at other photographers, or have seen quite a bit, quite a few other photographers' boudoir work. 
um, on Instagram or social media online, et cetera. And, and then you approach your boudoir photography, you're posing in a particular way. What are two or three key principles that you might not always see photographers apply that you think that they need to be applying in order to help their clients look really, really good in front of the camera? Um, I definitely like think arching the back is really important, um, which sound, I don't, I feel like some people don't do it. I don't know. Um, and what is the, I mean, it may seem obvious to some, but what is the significance of that? So it's just going to make the booty look round, which, okay. <laughs> um, you, I mean, I like in my photos and I think yeah. my clients usually like it, but you can tell, and even when I'm still shooting after I've already told them like arch your back, they'll kind of like slowly relax and you have to be like, I don't know if you're arching your back, but still arch your back. And then they'll like pop up again. So, okay. um, that's really important. And as far as like their face, keeping lips apart, like I do that the whole time. And for somebody, I mean, you know, we always joke about it, like for selfies on Instagram and stuff, you know, the, the duck lips or duck face. But in all seriousness, what what is <laughs> so a lot of people make a joke of that. Now they're in a, an environment like like a boudoir photography session and you want them to do this for real for the sake of the camera to look a particular way. How do you coach somebody who's not comfortable with that idea through that? Yeah, no, I I literally just say like, well, I, I mean, the whole time I'm telling them eyes, eyes at me eyes out the window, eyes down. And then as far as like, I tell them like, relax, I tell them to part their lips. I'm like, lips okay. apart, lips apart. Um, because I feel like, um, lips together is either they are going to look mad or they just look uncomfortable. Even if their natural face is their lips are t touching, which mine isn't. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I'm the weird one, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and two, some of my clients, like, they don't, they're like, whatever, like, they don't, they're like, I look just in their head, they're not saying this to my face, but they're yeah. like, I'm just going to put my lips together, like, I'm not putting my lips apart, I don't know what she's talking about, <laughs> and so I will let them, like, all shoot, like, they'll listen to me for a split second, and then they'll put their lips back together, so then when we're um, looking like going through their photos, I do, I will save, especially if I know that they like, I can tell that they were trying to fight me on that. Yeah. Just by the way that they were at like posing, I guess their lips okay. are together apart. I just keep like one of both. And then if they like the lips together, that's totally fine. Um, but, but you're I think right looks, though. I mean, it looks more relaxed. Yeah. And, and, it, and it does. I mean, it, it can have a sexy look to it too, but there, as I'm scrolling through your feed again, and I, I'm noticing there's some clients that are posed that have their mouth closed, others that don't, the ones that, that do have their mouths closed are more serious. They're, they look, they tend to look more serious. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have thought of that differentiation between before. Uh, so that's an interesting point. Are there any other, so you talked about arching the back, it creates curvature, which I think really does add a certain element of interest to the image um, and encourages or emphasizes particular shapes, which is great. Opening the mouth, which if nothing else helps to minimize the seriousness, kind of adds an element of sexiness to the image. Are there any other particular ideas that drive how you pose? Um, yeah, I think, um, I, I do think lighting is really important as far as like flattering, the flattering the pose, I guess, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, bad lighting it's not going to look good, like no matter like what you're doing. So some, some photographers, like I, I can see in their work that the light is like running up their face. And if they would have just switched how she was laying, the light would be running down her face. And I think that looks a lot better yeah. to not create that monster light. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the monster which light. Yeah. I know it sounds like weird, but even, I mean, most of us are using natural light. So you're just kind of just like using the window. Mm -hmm. And I think that some photographers like can't really see that, but well, I can. And I, I know I keep kind of referring everybody back to your Instagram account, but I'm there literally right now and I'm just scrolling through it again. And I have to also compliment you on the variety of lighting uh, that you create for your subjects. And it's a combination of very directional light to emphasize form and shape and shadow uh, and add contrast to the image, but then also you're mixing in sometimes flat light. Do you, how do you differentiate or how do you decide ultimately to use a more directional light versus a flatter light? Um, 
I try to do shoot a variety for their session so that they have all, all of the lighting. Um, but yeah, I mean, backlit is going to be more like moody and dark and like emphasize the shape of their body. Yeah. Um, flat light is gonna, I feel like it, it's more of like, I don't know. I think their face usually looks like super good because it's really lit mm-hmm. up front and it's not washing them out, but it's not going to show as, as many, as much detail, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, and then yeah. um, I feel like side lights probably what I use the most um, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, I shoot with windows, so I'm shooting natural light and all of that. So I'm just kind of getting all the, all my options. Well, and you do have a lot of options. You you talked about the backlight. I see a post here from back in, let's see, it was on January 17th. Um, There's a a maternity photo that's just beautifully backlit. And like you said, it helps emphasize the shape. But then the person, the detail of the person's face isn't lost in that backlight. There's still a little bit of detail there. I love that. Right next to that, it was a post right after on the 18th where there's significant, I mean, it's very directional side light but that side light creates texture and it creates depth and it emphasizes shape and you just mm-hmm. do that beautifully. And again, for those of you listening in, you're going to want to check out her Instagram account, Tracy's Instagram account, make sure that um, you check the link in the show notes, or you can just go directly to Instagram.com slash Indium Boudoir. Uh, really, really beautiful work. Let's, let's talk about the, the actual workflow. And by the way, Haley and Heather, I, I really don't want to dominate the conversation here. So don't hesitate to chime in with, with questions or thoughts or ideas. Um, but let's, let's talk about workflow. What does, and maybe you, you kind of talk to us a little bit about what it looks like when you bring a client in, um, for the first hour or so while they're doing the hair and makeup and you're getting to know them and helping them relax. But what does the next step where the actual shoot begins, what does that process look like? And more specifically, are there particular poses that you kind of regularly go through? Like if you ever go to a photography conference or workshop or trade show, at least in the past, anyway, something that used to be really popular were these, um, posing classes where, you know, in 10 minutes, you can go through 30 different poses. Like, do you have a particular list of poses in mind that you regularly push your clients through? What does that workflow look like? Yeah. So after hair and makeup, um, we look at their outfits that they brought. Um, most of my clients bring way too many. Um, (laughs) most of them do. So I try to pick three and then we usually end in the white sheet. Um, I always start and either their least favorite outfit or the most covering outfit, because the first outfit is always going to be their least favorite photos because they're going to be the most uncomfortable in front of the camera. So I don't want them to like start in their favorite outfit. Um, and ideally I don't want them to be like their most revealing outfit because, mm-hmm. which I mean, isn't for everyone. Some of my clients like, <laughs> they don't like they're just naked, like the whole shoot. So, (laughs) but most of them are not. Um, but yeah, I'll start in that. And then, and then, yeah, I do have like key poses. Um, for one, I mean, the reason I use key poses is, um, because I mean, obviously it's easy. And, um, when you talk about key poses, can you give an example? Yeah. So, um, I don't, I don't know. Explaining them is kind of hard. Um, one that I know for sure, like whenever I have my clients do it, they're like, Oh, I've seen this on your Instagram. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and it's just like them falling off the bed. So their lower back is kind of falling off the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, their knees are bent. Um, pointed toes is really important. Um, and then that pose alone, I mean, I shoot um, backlit down on them, but I lighten it so that you can really see their face really well. And then I will pull the reflector off so that it's more um, backlit and dark. And I'll yep. do like a faraway shot, a close up, a more close up, um, up like their chest, like which you would think would be the wrong direction, but it's, it's actually really pretty. And then I do like a really close up of like their collarbone and like lips and stuff. So I get um, quite a few photos out of that pose just in itself. And I do that with every client. Um, I have to say, I'm just for, for reference point, for those listening in, there are a number of examples on your Instagram account, as you alluded to Tracy, but 
I'm looking at a post from uh, November 21st where there's a stunning example of this. It's a color shot, horizontal, and somebody whose back is kind of sliding off the bed. It is very much kind of backlit, so it's creating that that really not harsh but very contrasty directional light, um, which is beautiful for the sake of texture and shape. So that's that's really great. What's another one? Um, another like really easy one that I do with everyone. Um, it's just like laying on your chest, um, heads kind of more towards the window, feet are back. They're kind of diagonal across the bed. Mm -hmm. um, and I use the reflector on that as well to kind of fill in the shadows. I bring their right knee more forward so that I can see. So they're lifting their booty and you're not yeah. like missing their legs. Um, and then I have kind of like a variation that I go through. Um, with that as well, just by shooting straight on and then moving over to the side so that which cuts out their whole midsection, um, which some people like and some people like the I mean, the other angle. Um, that's a go to I always when we first start, I'm always starting like on their back, just them laying on their back super easy. They're not like they're not arching and they're not doing anything hard to kind of get them comfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Like you're, you're naturally, you're putting somebody in a position that they're normally relaxed at anyway, right? They're going to lay down to read a book or scroll on their phone or take a nap. Um, mm -hmm. They're not having to actually pose. So the idea of starting them laying down makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Or you, even starting like standing in the window is mm. super easy. They're just standing in front of the window backlit. Um, another one that I do with like everyone is um, I have a couch in front of my window and I bought it's specifically for this because <laughs> I wanted to do it um, where the couch is thick enough on the arm and the back where they can hop up on it. Okay. And it's just backlit of them um, up on the couch. And it's really just about like their, their shape and the booty and the back is like kind of lit and it, but it's a darker shot. And my, my windows are unique. So I do try to pull that into my work to kind of differentiate myself. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking at, I mean, there's some shots here with, with the windows in it. There's one I just pulled up uh, actually where they're standing in front of the window of this particular subject standing from the window from, uh, I scrolled way back July 24th of 2018. It's a stunning kind of directional light shot. You're using the, the window, but it's a wide shot too. So it actually lets the window be a significant part of the image. And it's, it's beautiful. Really impressed. That shot that you mentioned earlier where um, they're laying on their, their tummy or on their chest on the bed, kind of at an angle. Um, there's a great example of this from November 25th. Again, for all those of you listening in, um, these are just examples that you can reference on our Instagram account uh, at Indian Boudoir. Uh, this is really beautiful. And of course, you mentioned the couch too. Are there other, aside from the, the outfits, and you mentioned three plus the sheet, Do you are there any other props, if you will, that you usually use while you're posing? Um, No, I wouldn't say so. I don't like props. I did have a client bring in like a guitar recently. Okay. I had to like utilize and I did share it. So I didn't hate it, but, um, I don't <laughs> encourage like prop use. I don't like photographing like jerseys and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm I've, I've heard that said before as well. That, that probably falls into the realm of, of your description earlier of cheesy, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'll do it if they're like really set on it, but I'm not going to share it like on my Instagram because what you show on your, mm. in your stuff is what you're going to shoot. So 100%. yeah. And That's how actually, long are you shooting, um, Tracy? How long is the actual photography element once the hair and makeup's done? Um, I try to keep it at like an hour and a half. Okay. Um, but I mean, depending on how long it takes to change and I'm struggling or not struggling. <laughs> it could run to two hours, but two hours is, is pretty much max where I'm, where like, we're super good. The client is exhausted and you can kind of tell that they're getting tired in their face. Um, so yeah, right about two hours, hour and a half is ideal. Okay. When you were talking earlier about um, using the natural light that you have through your windows, but I was curious about like, stormy days do you ever use artificial light if or do you reschedule like how does that work for that 
Um, I do not reschedule. I, I almost rescheduled, uh, like a week or so ago. Um, but I didn't, sorry, my dog is barking. <laughs> no worries. Um, but no, I, I have had a couple of shoots where it's like fine when we're, we get started and then it's, and then it gets like black like yeah. in the studio and you know, the less light I have, like, it's just not going to be as harsh. The backlit is kind of hard. I feel like, um, and it's just really blue and I'm bumping up my eyes. So my images are getting a little grainy. Um, um, sorry. She's so distracting. Um, <laughs> but I will throw on if I need to, um, a video white is what I use. So, okay. um, I think it's for videographers. Okay. I bought it off Amazon. It, it was pretty cheap. Um, I like the element that it adds when I need it. Um, and I will say if anyone goes out to buy it, make sure that you're like replacing the batteries. Cause even if it's turning on, um, it might not go as bright as it could go. So yeah. like I, I can't really tell when it's dying, but when we do switch the batteries, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, we needed to switch the batteries. Um, so, yeah. The, awesome. When we, that particular video, like maybe Haley can get that from you and we can link to that in the show notes. So for those of you listening in, um, again, if you just go to Boca podcast, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com, check out the show notes and um, we'll, we'll try to get a link to that video light in case anybody's curious. I, I have to say too, seems like even on a cloudy day, especially with the way that cameras now, you can shoot at 12 to 24,000 ISO with, without a whole lot of issue. Um, some, some moody image, extra moody images because you have a little bit lower light sounds really appealing for the style of photography that you're, that you're showing on your feed. Yeah, I do prefer a cloudy day. Okay. On, like honestly, because in my studio, um, my windows are actually in an alleyway, which mm. I didn't really realize when I rented the studio because it's that's not ideal. Um, but when it's sunny, there's lots of colors bouncing like everywhere. And like oh, the sun okay. is bouncing off the floor and then the floor is filling in the shadows. And it's so hard to do the darker like backlit shots. Mm -hmm. um, so what about, yeah. the, um, what about the adjacent building? I've wondered this too for the privacy of your clients. Are there businesses or apartments or anything across the way? So I don't know. I have seen one human in a, in a window. I don't know what he was doing, but I was like, oh, man, Enjoying, there's a person right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enjoying um, the show. But the windows are frosted, are they not? I'm looking at the ones here in the, in the, on the Instagram account. So when I first moved in, yeah, so that's, I know. So when I first moved in, the windows were like this weird old glass it's in like a kind of an old warehouse that's mm -hmm. they're like attempting to renovate um it's not like the best but but yeah it is super old the windows were super thick frosted glass where like you couldn't see out of them when I rented it but I the deal was to swap out for clear glass because I was freaking out because I wanted that like intense light uh, um because I was basically diffusing the light with the frosted glass okay. um so when so when they swapped out the glass, they only swapped out one entire window and then uh, they swapped out like a few panels on like oh, the weird. other windows. So I actually have like mixed matched windows in my studio. Oh, um, no way. So yeah, so I do have curtains in the main shooting area mm. um, that I can kind of control the light. I do ask my clients, especially in the white sheet, and if it's like darker outside, I'm like, do you care if I like open the curtains? And I'm like, I don't think anyone's out there. And they're like, no, I don't care. So <laughs> I don't know. They're like, eh. Yeah. So it's not like a huge deal, but yeah. Okay. That's cool. So you want to go ahead, Heather. I was going to say, I, did I see somewhere on your website that you actually will um, proof the images for your client just an hour after their photo shoot? Yeah, I do. Same day viewing and ordering. And okay, then, is that is, so is that in person then? Yep. Okay, so they stay, the photo shoot wraps up and they actually stay on location with you. Um, I usually ask them if they want to go grab a bite to eat, if they're hungry at okay. all. Um, I'd okay. say it's like 50-50 if they leave to eat or if they just hang out in the studio. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I edit in the hour and then they um 
we go through their photos. Whoa, I'm so impressed by that. That's <laughs> but so I mean, like, are you do you have a particular and most photographers, you know, the, the amount of time it takes for post-production, of course, it's why photographers edit even exist in the first place is is extreme. So the idea that you're able to turn it around in an hour like that is so impressive to me. Do you have a preset like list of of Photoshop actions or presets that you just jump to and you quickly run through that in Lightroom or in Photoshop? What does that look like? Um, so I, yeah, so I call um, within like 10 to 15 minutes um, using Photo Mechanic, which mm -hmm. I do think is a lot faster. It is. I, like, I haven't even been using it that long and, and they have a trial, you know, so you can download it and see what your personal thoughts are. Mm -hmm. I do think it's faster. So I use that. And then I'm usually around like a hundred photos like after I call, which I think is kind of a lot for the industry, but how many do you I, start with? Like a lot, like usually like 600, okay. maybe more, maybe less. Sometimes I have like 1100. <laughs> wow. But see, I'm, I'm still so impressed because part of what a lot of photographers say takes their time up when it comes to that post-production work is the culling process. They're like, I have such a hard time picking what I actually like or I'm going to keep and not going to keep. How, how have you learned to be so quick with that and just choose what works and, and move on? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, okay. So I think with, I used to have that problem too. And I think it's harder with weddings. You do have like more work to go through. And I feel like the, the individual photos are more important because there's so many different people at a wedding. So you're like, I don't know if I, what I should do, but um, because of the fact that I have one hour to edit, like I have to make a decision Mm, so as I, I only go through them one time um, and all I do is I star the ones that I'm going to keep instead okay. of deleting. Yes. So I think starring is way more helpful than being like, this one's bad. This one's bad. Cause I used to delete like not, not in my boudoir life, but in my past <laughs> life. As sure, a wedding sure. photographer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, starring is really helpful. And then, yeah, I just go through them one time. So that is why I have like, a hundred or, um, usually max is like 130 photos. Okay. Um, but That's yeah. interesting that you mentioned that because this is something actually in the, the workflow dog was that it's been around for over 10 years. Now the workflow that I designed, um, for our team, it started with this idea through the calling process of picking the images that you're going to keep versus deleting images. Because when it comes to at least photographers, and again, having been a photographer myself, the, the psychological element of deleting an image, it seems very final. And you're like, if I delete that, but what if they want it later? It, it just becomes yeah. way too convoluted a process versus looking at a series of three or four images and picking the best of that and moving the next series and picking the best of that and moving the next series. Yep. It's yeah. a way simpler workflow. And I know that about 70, I think it's about 70% of our clients right now with F photographers editors are doing their own calling work. So for those of you listening in, take advantage of this idea, whether it's a starring or flagging, if you're working in Lightroom, choosing one image from a series and moving to the next, that is so much faster than anything else. And I'd highly recommend it. So that's really great advice. When it comes to the actual edit or the, the, the color correction, the editing work, the application of presets, what is, how do you move so quickly through that? Um, so because of the fact that I am in a controlled environment, so oh. my studio, so yeah. So really all, so I have a preset that is my own like development that I've like evolved over the years. Sure. Um, um, it's pretty close to where I want it. And then I will, I need to like tweak it a little bit based off the color temperature in the room, like okay. sunny versus cloudy. Mm -hmm. And then I also go ahead and um, tone their skin because some, I mean, some people are more pink, some people red, whatever. Um, some people are really orange if they like got a spray tan. Um, <laughs> yep. So yeah. And then too, like blonde hair, I have to make sure it looks the color that it is in real life. Um, but once I tone that photo, I do apply it to the whole session. And then I just kind of go through like what you just said. Um, I all kind of edit that first in the sequence mm -hmm. and then batch those. I still will run through all of them. I try and sometimes I get a little sidetracked and like forget that I have an hour. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll like want to straighten things and mm. I'll want to like, I'll stare at it too long. And I'm like, okay, I need to go. Cause I'll, I'll have like 10 minutes and I'm like, 
not even like close to the end yet. (laughs) And you said that sometimes your clients don't choose to leave and go grab something to eat. And in in that case, what are they doing during this time? Uh, If they don't leave, I do. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you can hang out wherever. Um, Cause I have a swing in the studio. I have a couch and a bed and I'm like, you can literally like lounge. I have chairs uh, where I edit in the client area. So but they're not um, I, looking over your shoulder while you're no. attempting to do this work. <laughs> I'm like, that's a photographer's worst nightmare, you know? Yes. No, it really is. Especially you can on that, you know, side of the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yes, that's so that's why I'm like, you can hang out here, here, or here. Okay. And then I'm like, I'm like, I can't really talk while I work. So just like help yourself to the fridge. I have snacks if you want them. And I'm like, I'll let you know as soon as I'm done. And then they all always do their own thing. They're very quiet and it's fine. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. That's really great. I, I love that you brought up this principle of having a limited amount of time and how that forces you to get things done more quickly. It's something we've talked about in the podcast a number of times before, but it's such an important principle. When you have all the time in the world, there's no pressure. Uh, it's easy to do this thing and that and get on social media and answer email and lay around and do nothing. But when <laughs> you only have a certain amount of time, it forces you to get it done. And I wonder... I wonder if more photographers applied that to their workflow, any element of their workflow in their workday, in their work week, how much that would change their lives. Because, I mean, I'm just, I'm so, I'm kind of envious almost of, of your lifestyle as a photographer, the fact that you're doing a shoot and you have that, that session done in an hour and, and sold. How long does the sales t- session take? Maybe another hour? Yeah, usually an hour at the most. Sometimes they're really decisive and it's like 30 minutes. Wow. Um, so yeah, but I mean, you're done, you have a shoot for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, editing for an hour, sales session in an hour. So in let's just say four hours, you're you've worked with this client and you're you're sending whatever images to them or off to the printer or whatever it might be. But that is such a beautiful workflow, and then it frees you up to just kind of do your thing. Otherwise, I mean, I that that is a workflow I think that is very well thought out. I mean, I'm sure for from a sales standpoint, the fact that they're fresh off that session really helps. Um, in turning sales over, but uh, from a workflow standpoint, that's just beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and I love that you've, you've created something that's so efficient and can get done so quickly. Yeah, it is really nice. Um, a lot of uh, people who do like viewing ordering are doing them like a week or two later and it's like another drive and it's just another yep. appointment. It's just another potential reschedule. Mm. Like I just, yeah, same. I've always done same day. I don't, I might've done like just a couple boudoir sessions when I first started that weren't same day. And then I was like, okay. what am I doing? This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love a good self-imposed deadline and I love the closure of this. I wish we could implement this in our wedding photography business, but it's not quite, <laughs> <laughs> that workflow doesn't quite work for us, but I love yeah. it. That's awesome. Yeah. Go have a couple more drinks. We'll, we'll edit your pictures while yeah. you have some fun with your wedding guests. We're yeah. just going to sit over here and uh, we'll have everything to you in an hour. <laughs> I will say that um, they, they are not retouched photos. Oh, so yeah. I, I am retouching. I retouch just what they order. Yep. I do say that. Like, I'm like, before we start going through them, I'm like, just mm-hmm. say, no, these haven't been retouched. Like, and then I explain what retouching is, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is a big deal, like at all. Not mm-hmm. at least. It's all about expectations. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. A lot of photographers create undue pressure and stress for themselves by and actually, I don't even know it's necessarily because they've even told the client they have, they've created this expectation in their mind that they have to deliver this perfect product to their clients. And so they're spending all this time editing images to the end of the world because they think that they have to deliver this particular product. And the reality is, as long as you do exactly what you were just talking about, Tracy, which is to manage the expectations proactively before you even show the pictures, these are proof images. If you order prints, if you want to create an album, if you want to do whatever with these, we will, we will touch them up or retouch them. And mm-hmm. they're going to look just perfect for you. If you let them know that ahead of time, it's it's a relief. No longer does it become an issue. You save that much time because now you don't have to retouch every single image. Um, and yeah. I think that's a great mentality. I mean, this is this has been a. I'm I'm impressed with your work as it is, but I'm <laughs> even more impressed maybe by by your workflow because it seems very well thought out and it's a wonderful example of efficiency. And I know that we could keep talking for a long time. I want to respect your time. And everybody's time listening in and watching. Um, so we, we have to end here. But I will make sure to link to your website. Um, again, in the show notes, for those of you listening in uh, or watching, Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com. For those of you that are 
that are actually listening to the audio version of this. This is also a live video, facebook.com slash photogs edit. Um, the photographers edit Facebook page is where this goes out, so you can watch the video version as well. Uh, but we'll make sure to link to the resources that we discussed today. Of course, the website's in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And really, really thank you so much for, for making time, Tracy, to do this for us today. This yeah. has been quite insightful and I really appreciate your seeing your perspective. Haley, will you just kind of tease uh, what we're going to be talking about in February for Workflow Wednesdays? Yeah, so we are working on getting guests to talk about marketing. Um, so there are a few uh, Wednesdays that we will not be going live. So next week we won't go live, but uh, we will return the following week um, to talk about marketing. Perfect. Yeah, marketing workflow. And by the way, just as somebody uh, referred us to Tracy and her wonderful work, if, if you have suggestions or ideas for photographers that you'd like to hear on Workflow Wednesday or just the Boca podcast in general, don't hesitate to let us know. You can send Haley an email. It's just Haley at photographersedit.com. And um, if you have some suggestions specifically for marketing workflow for the Workflow Wednesday series in February, please let us know as well. But thank you again, Tracy. Thank you, Haley. Thank you, Heather, for making this possible today. Great to see you. So nice to meet you, Tracy. You too. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.